Chapter Nine of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Deluge, Volume Two, by Heinrich Schenkewitz, translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Nine. They rode through Radebor, merely stopping to feed the horses. No one recognized the king no one paid much attention to the party for all were occupied with the recent passage of the dragoons among whom as all thought was the king of poland the retinue was about fifty in number for several dignitaries accompanied the king five bishops alone and among others the nuncio ventured to share with him the toils of a journey not without peril the road within the boundary of the empire however presented no danger at oderberg not far from the junction of the olsha with the odra they entered moravia the day was cloudy and snow fell so thickly that it was not possible to see the road a few steps ahead but the king was joyous and full of courage for a sign had been manifested which all considered most favorable and which contemporary historians did not neglect to insert in their chronicles behold just as the king was deporting from golgov a little bird entirely white appeared before his horse and began to circle round rising at times in the air at times coming down to the head of the king chirping and twittering joyously meanwhile they remembered that a similar bird but black had circled over the king when he was retreating from Vorsov before the swedes but this was white exactly of the size and form of a swallow which fact roused the greater wonder because it was deep winter and swallows were not thinking yet of return but all were rejoiced and the king for the first few days spoke of nothing else and promised himself the most successful future it appeared from the beginning too how sound was kmita's advice to travel apart everywhere in moravia people were telling of the recent passage of the king of poland some stated that they had seen him with their own eyes all in armor with a sword in his hand and a crown on his head various stories also were current of the forces which he had with him and in general the number of his dragoons was exaggerated to the fabulous there were some who had seen ten thousand and who could not wait till the last horses men gunners and flags had passed surely said they the swedes will spring before them but what will they do with such a force is unknown well asked the king of tisenhaus was not babinich right we are not in Yublovia yet gracious lord replied the young magnate babinich was satisfied with himself and with the journey generally he went ahead of the king's party with the three kaimliches examining the road sometimes he rode with the rest entertaining the king with narratives of single incidents in the siege of chenstohova of which the king never had enough and almost every hour that young hero cheerful meddlesome eagle-like drew nearer the heart of the king time passed for the monarch now in prayer now in pious meditation on eternal life now in discussing the coming war and the aid hoped from the emperor and finally in looking at nightly amusements with which the attendant soldiers endeavored to shorten the time of the journey for jan casimir had this in his nature that his mind passed easily from seriousness almost to frivolity from hard labor to amusements to which when there was leisure he gave himself with his whole soul as if no care no grief had pressed him at any time the soldiers then exhibited themselves each with what he could do the kaimliches kosma and damian immense and awkward figures amused the king by breaking horseshoes which they broke like canes he paid them a thaler apiece though his wallet was empty enough 
for all his money and even the diamonds and paraphernalia, paraphernalia of the queen had been spent on the army pan andrei exhibited himself by throwing a heavy hatchet which he hurled upward with such force that it was barely visible and then he sprang under the instrument with his horse and caught it by the handle as it fell at the sight of this the king clapped his hands i saw that done said he by pan slushka brother of the vice-chancellor's wife but he threw not so high by half this is customary with us in lithuania said pan andrei and when a man practices it from childhood he becomes skillful whence have you those scars across the lip asked the king of him once pointing to kmita's scars some one went through you well with the sabre that is not from a sabre gracious lord but from a bullet i was fired at by a man who put the pistol to my mouth an enemy or one of ours one of ours but an enemy whom i shall yet call to account until that happens it is not proper for me to speak of it have you such animosity as that i have no animosity gracious lord for on my head i bear a still deeper scar from a sabre through which cut my soul almost left me but since an honorable man did it i harbor no offense against him kmita removed his cap and showed the king a deep furrow the white edges of which were perfectly visible i am not ashamed of this wound said he for it was given me by such a master that there is not another like him in the commonwealth who is such a master pan volodyovsky for god's sake i know him he did wonders at zbarish and i was at the wedding of his comrade skatstuski who was the first to bring me news of the besieged those are great cavaliers and with them was a third him the whole army glorified as the greatest of all a fat noble and so amusing that we almost burst our sides from laughter that is pan zagloba i think said kmita he is a man not only brave but full of wonderful stratagems do you know what they are doing now volodyovsky used to lead dragoons with the vovoda of vilna the king frowned and is he serving the swedes now with the prince vovoda he the swedes he is with pen sapieha i saw myself how after the treason of the prince he threw his baton at his feet oh he is a worthy soldier answered the king from pen sapieha we have had news from tykotsin where he is besieging the vovoda god give him luck if all were like him the swedish enemy would regret their undertaking here tyzenhaus who had been listening to the conversation asked suddenly then were you with radzivill at kaidiani kmita was somewhat confused and began to throw up his hatchet i was answered he give peace to your hatchet said tyzenhaus and what were you doing at the prince's house i was a guest answered kmita impatiently and i ate his bread until i was disgusted with his treason and why did you not go with other honorable soldiers to pan sapieha because i had made a vow to go to chenstohova which you will more easily understand when i tell you that our ostra brahma was occupied by the northerners tyzenhaus began to shake his head and smack his lips this attracted the attention of the king so that he looked inquiringly at kmita the latter made impatient turned to tyzenhaus and said my worthy sir why do i not inquire of you where you have been and what you have been doing ask me replied tyzenhaus i have nothing to conceal neither am i before a court and if i shall ever be you will not be my judge leave me then that i lose not my patience 
when he had said this he hurled the hatchet so sharply that it grew small in the height the king raised his eyes after it and at that moment he was thinking of nothing save this would babinich catch it in its fall or would he not catch it babinich put spurs to his horse sprang forward and caught it that same evening tisenhaus said to the king gracious lord this noble pleases me less and less but me more and more answered the king pursing his lips i heard to-day one of his people call him colonel he only looked threateningly and straightway confused the man there is something in that and it seems to me sometimes that he does not wish to tell everything added the king but that is his affair no gracious lord exclaimed tisenhaus forcibly it is not his affair it is our affair and that of the whole commonwealth for if he is some traitor who is planning the death or captivity of your royal grace then with your person will perish all those who at this moment have taken arms the whole commonwealth will perish which you alone are competent to save i will ask him myself to-morrow god grant that i be a false prophet but nothing good looks out of his eyes he is too smart too bold too daring and such people are ready for anything the king looked troubled next morning when they moved on their journey he beckoned kmita to approach him where were you colonel asked the king suddenly a moment of silence followed kmita struggled with himself the wish was burning him to spring from his horse fall at the feet of the king and throw off the burden he was bearing tell the whole truth at once but he thought of the fearful impression which the name kmita would make especially after the letter of prince boguslav radzivill how could he who had been the right hand of radzivill who had maintained the preponderance of prince yanush who had aided him in scattering his disobedient squadrons who supported him in treason how could he accused and suspected of the most terrible crime an attack on the person of the king succeed in convincing the king the bishops and senators that he had corrected himself that he was transformed with what could he show the sincerity of his intentions what proofs could he bring save naked words his former offences pursue him unceasingly unsparingly as furious dogs a wild beast in the forest he determined on silence but he felt also unspeakable disgust and hatred of subterfuge must he throw dust in the eyes of the king whom he loved with all the power of his soul and deceive him with fictitious tales he felt that strength failed him for this therefore he said after a while gracious king the time will come perhaps soon in which i shall open my whole soul to your royal grace as in confession to a priest but i wish deeds to vouch for me for my sincere intention for my loyalty and my love of majesty not words simply i have offended against you my gracious lord and the country and i have repented too little yet therefore i am seeking service in which i can find reparation more easily besides who has not offended who in the whole commonwealth does not need to beat his breast it may be that i have offended more grievously than others but i was the first also to bethink myself do not inquire gracious lord about anything until the present service will convince you concerning me do not ask for i cannot answer without closing the road of salvation to myself for god is the witness and the most holy lady our queen that i had no evil intent that i am ready to give the last drop of my blood for you here pan andrei's eyes grew moist and such sincerity and sorrow appeared on his face that his countenance defended him with greater power than his words god is looking at my intentions said he and will account them to me at judgment 
but gracious lord if you do not trust me dismiss me remove me from your person i will follow at a distance so as to come in time of difficulty even without being called and lay down my life for you and then gracious lord you will believe that i am not a traitor but one of that kind of servants of whom you have not many even among those who cast suspicion on others i believe you to-day said the king remain near our person as before for treason does not speak in such fashion i thank your royal grace answered kmita and reining in his horse somewhat he pushed back among the last ranks of the party but Tisenhaus did not limit himself to conveying suspicions to the king the result was that all began to look askance at kmita audible conversation ceased at his approach and whispers began every movement of his was followed every word considered kmita noticed this and was ill at ease among these men even the king though he did not remove confidence from him had not for pan andrei such a joyful countenance as before therefore the young hero lost his daring grew gloomy sadness and bitterness took possession of his heart formerly in front among the first he used to make his horse prance now he dragged on many yards behind the cavalcade with hanging head and gloomy thoughts at last the carpathians stood white before the travellers snow lay on their slopes clouds spread their unwieldy bodies on the summits and when an evening came clear at sunset those mountains put on flaming garments from which marvellously bright gleams went forth till quenched in the darkness embracing the whole world kmita gazed on those wonders of nature which to that time he had never seen and though greatly grieved he forgot his cares from admiration and wonder each day those giants grew greater more mighty till at last the retinue of the king came to them and entered a pass which opened on a sudden like a gate the boundary must be near said the king with emotion then they saw a small wagon drawn by one horse and in the wagon a peasant the king's men stopped him at once man said tisenhaus are we in poland beyond that cliff and that little river is the emperor's boundary but you are standing on the king's land which way is it then to jivyets go straight ahead and you will come to the road and the mountaineer whipped his horse tisenhaus galloped to the retinue standing at a distance gracious lord cried he with emotion you are now in Terregna, for at that little river your kingdom begins the king said nothing only made a sign to hold his horse dismounted and throwing himself on his knees raised his eyes and his hands upward at sight of this all dismounted and followed his example that king then a wanderer fell after a moment in the form of a cross on the snow and began to kiss that land so beloved and so thankless which in time of disaster had refused refuge to his head silence followed and only sighs interrupted it the evening was frosty clear the mountains and the summits of the neighboring fir trees were in purple farther off in the shadow they had begun to put on violet but the road on which the king was lying turned as it were into a ruddy and golden ribbon and rays fell on the king bishops and dignitaries then a breeze began from the summits and bearing on its wings sparks of snow flew to the valley therefore the nearer fir trees began to bend their snow-covered heads bow to their lord and to make a joyous and rustling sound as if they were singing that old song be welcome to us thou dear master darkness had already filled the air when the king's retinue moved forward beyond the defile was spread out a rather roomy plain the other end of which was lost in the distance light was dying all around 
only in one place the sky was still bright with red the king began to repeat ave maria after him the others with concentration of spirit repeated the pious words their native land unvisited by them for a long time the mountains which night was now covering the dying twilight the prayer all these caused a solemnity of heart and mind hence after the prayer the king the dignitaries and the knights rode on in silence night fell but in the east the sky was shining still more redly let us go toward that twilight said the king at last it is a wonder that it is shining yet then kamita galloped up gracious lord that is a fire cried he all halted how is that asked the king it seems to me that tis the twilight a fire a fire i am not mistaken cried kmita and indeed of all the attendants of the king he knew most in that matter at last it was no longer possible to doubt since above that supposed twilight were rising as it were red clouds rolling now brighter now darker in turn it's as if jivyets were burning cried the king maybe the enemy is ravaging it he had not finished speaking when to their ears flew the noise of men the snorting of horses and a number of dark figures appeared before the retinue halt halt cried tisenhaus these figures halted as if uncertain what to do further who are you was asked from the retinue ours said a number of voices ours we are escaping with our lives from jivyets the swedes are burning jivyets and murdering people stop in god's name what do you say whence have they come they were waiting for our king there is a power of them a power may the mother of god have the king in her keeping tisenhaus lost his head for a moment see what it is to go with a small party cried he to kmita would that you were killed for such counsel Jan casimir began to inquire himself of the fugitives but where is the king the king has gone to the mountains with a great army two days ago he passed through jivyets but they pursued him and were fighting somewhere near sua we have not heard whether they took him or not but today they returned to jivyets and are burning and murdering go with god said young casimir the fugitives shot past quickly see what would have met us had we gone with the dragoons exclaimed kmita gracious king said father gambitsky the enemy is before us what are we to do all surrounded the monarch as if wishing to protect him with their persons from sudden danger the king gazed on that fire which was reflected in his eyes and he was silent no one advanced an opinion so difficult was it to give good advice when i was going out of the country a fire lighted me said young casimir at last and when i enter another gives light again silence only still longer than before who has any advice inquired father gambitsky at last then the voice of Tisenhaus was heard, full of bitterness and insult. He who did not hesitate to expose the king's person to danger, who said that the king should go without a guard, let him now give advice. At this moment a horseman pushed out of the circle. It was Kmita. Very well, said he, and rising in the stirrups he shouted, turning to his attendants standing at some distance, Kymlikas, after me. Then he urged his horse to a gallop, and after him shot the three horsemen with all the breath that was in the breasts of their horses. A cry of despair came from Tisenhaus. That is a conspiracy, said he. These traitors will give us up, surely. Gracious king, save yourself while there is time, for the enemy will soon close the pass. Gracious king, save yourself. Back. Back. 
let us return let us return cried the bishops and dignitaries in one voice young casimir became impatient lightnings flashed from his eyes suddenly he drew his sword from its sheath and cried may god not grant me to leave my country a second time come what may i have had enough of that and he put spurs to his horse to move forward but the nuncio himself seized the reins your royal grace said he seriously you bear on your shoulders the fate of the catholic church and the country therefore you are not free to expose your person not free repeated the bishops i will not return to silesia so help me the holy cross answered jan casimir gracious lord listen to the prayers of your subjects said the castilian of sandomir if you do not wish to return to the emperor's territory let us go at least from this place and turn toward the hungarian boundary or let us go back through this pass so that our return be not intercepted there we will wait in case of an attack by the enemy escape on horses will remain to us but at least let them not enclose us as in a trap let it be even so said the king i do not reject prudent counsel but i will not go wandering a second time if we cannot appear by this road we will by another but i think that you are alarmed in vain since the swedes looked for us among the dragoons as the people from Jivyet said, it is clear proof that they know nothing of us, and that there is no treason or conspiracy. Just consider, you are men of experience. The Swedes would not have attacked the dragoons. They would not have fired a gun at them if they knew that we were following them. Be calm, gentlemen. Babinich has gone with his men for news, and he will return soon of a certainty. When he had said this, the king turned his horse toward the pass, after him his attendants. They halted on the spot where the first mountaineer had shown them the boundary. A quarter of an hour passed, then a half-hour and an hour. "'Have you noticed, gentlemen,' asked the Vovida of Lenstick, on a sudden, "'that the fire is decreasing?' "'It is going out. Going out. You can almost see it die,' said a number of voices. "'That is a good sign,' said the king. "'I will go ahead with a few men,' said Tisenhaus. We will halt about a furlong from here, and if the Swedes come, we will detain them till we die. In every case there will be time to think of the safety of the king's person. "'Remain with the party. I forbid you to go,' said the king. To which Tisenhaus answered, "'Gracious Lord, give command later to shoot me for disobedience, but now I will go, for now it is a question of you.' And calling upon a number of soldiers in whom it was possible to trust in every emergency, he moved forward. They halted at the other end of the defile, which opened into the valley, and stood in silence, with muskets ready, holding their ears toward every sound. The silence lasted long. Finally the sound of snow trampled by horses' feet came to them. "'They are coming,' whispered one of the soldiers. "'That is no party. Only a few horses are to be heard,' answered the other. "'Pam Babinich is returning.' Meanwhile those approaching came in the darkness within a few tens of yards. "'Who is there?' cried Tysonhaus. Ours do not fire there sounded the voice of kmita at that moment he appeared before tisenhaus and not knowing him in the darkness inquired but where is the king at the end of the pass who is speaking for i cannot see tisenhaus but what is that great bundle which you have before you and he pointed to some dark form hanging before kmita on the front of the saddle pan andrei made no answer but rode on when he had reached the king's escort, he recognized the person of the king, for it was much clearer beyond the pass, and cried, "'Gracious lord, the road is open.' "'Are there no Swedes in Jivyets?' "'They have gone to Vadovitsi.' 
That was a party of German mercenaries. But here is one of them, gracious lord. Ask him yourself. And Pan Andrei pushed to the ground that form which he held before him, so that a groan was heard in the still night. Who is that? asked the astonished king. A horseman. As God is dear to me, and you have brought an informant. How is that? Tell me. Gracious Lord, when a wolf prowls in the night around a flock of sheep, it is easy for him to seize one, and besides, to tell the truth, this is not the first time with me. The king raised his hands. But this Babinich is a soldier. May the bullets strike him. I see that with such servants I can go even in the midst of Swedes. Meanwhile, all gathered around the horseman, who did not rise from the ground, however. Ask him, gracious Lord, said Kimita, not without a certain boastfulness in his voice, though I do not know whether he will answer, for he is throttled a little, and there is nothing here to burn him with. Pour some goraika in his throat, said the king. And indeed that medicine helped more than burning, for the horseman soon recovered strength and voice. Then Kimita, putting a sword point to his throat, commanded him to tell the whole truth. The prisoner confessed that he belonged to the regiment of Colonel Eilhorn, that they had intelligence of the passage of the king with dragoons, therefore they fell upon them near Suha, but meeting firm resistance they had to withdraw to Jivyets, whence they marched on to Vadovitsi and Krakow, for such were their orders. "'Are there other divisions of the Swedes in the mountains?' asked Kmita in German, while squeezing the throat of the horseman somewhat more vigorously. "'Maybe there are some,' answered he in a broken voice. General Douglas sent scouting parties around, but they are all withdrawing, for the peasants are attacking them in passes. Were you the only ones in the neighborhood of Jivyets? The only ones. Do you know that the King of Poland has passed? He passed with those dragoons who fought with us at Suha. Many saw him. Why did you not pursue him? We were afraid of the mountaineers. Here Kamita began again in Polish. Gracious Lord, the road is open, and you will find a night's lodging in Jivyets, for only a part of the place is burned. But unconfiding Tisenhaus was speaking at this time with the Castilian of Voenik, and said, Either that is a great warrior and true as gold, or a finished traitor. Consider, your worthiness, that all this may be simulated, from the taking of this horseman to his confederates. And if this is a trick, if the Swedes are in ambush in Jivyets, if the king goes and falls into a net— it is safer to convince one's self, answered the Castilian of Voenik. Then Tisenhaus turned to the king and said aloud, Gracious lord, permit me to go ahead to Jivyets and convince myself that what this cavalier says and what this trooper declares is true. Let it be so. Permit them to go, gracious lord, said Kamita. Go, said the king, but we will move forward a little, for it is cold. Tisenhaus rushed on at all speed, and the escort of the king began to move after him slowly. The king regained his good humor and cheerfulness, and after a while said to Kimita, But with you it is possible to hunt Swedes as birds with a falcon, for you strike from above. That is my fashion, said Kimita. Whenever your royal grace wishes to hunt, the falcon will always be ready. Tell me how you caught him. That is not difficult. When a regiment marches, there are always a few men who lag in the rear, and I got this one about half a furlong behind. I rode up to him. He thought that I was one of his own people. He was not on his guard, and before he could think I had seized and gagged him so that he could not shout. You said that this was not your first time. Have you then practiced somewhere before? Kimita laughed. Oh, gracious lord, I have, and that of the best. Let your royal grace but give the order, and I will go again, overtake them, for their horses are road-weary. 
Take another man, and order my Kaimliks to take also. They advanced some time in silence, then the tramp of a horse was heard, and Tysonhaus flew up. Gracious king, said he, the road is free, and lodgings are ready. But did I not say so? cried young Casimir. You, gentlemen, had no need to be anxious. Let us ride on now, let us ride, for we have earned our rest. All advanced at a trot, briskly, joyously, and an hour later the wearied king was sleeping a sleep without care on his own territory. That evening Tisenhaus approached Kmita. Forgive me, he said. Out of love for the king I brought you under suspicion. Kmita refused his hand and said, Oh, that cannot be. You made me a traitor and a betrayer. I would have done more, for I would have shot you in the head. But since I have convinced myself that you are an honest man and love the king, I stretch out my hand to you. If you wish, take it. If not, take it not. I would prefer to have no rivalry with you, save that of attachment to the king. But I am not afraid of other rivalry. Is that your thought? Huh. Perhaps you are right, but I am angry with you. Well, stop being angry. You are a strong soldier, but give us your lips, so that we may not lie down to sleep in hatred. Let it be so, said Kamita, and they fell into each other's arms. End of chapter 9